And don't forget to silence your cell phones, unless you're Doc, in case he has to go saw some bones. Tommy. All right. Good morning, everybody. God is good. And all the time. Amen. So this, the song we're about to sing is, is uh, called Blessed by Darlene Zetch and Ruben Check. How do you get check out of that? Okay. <laughs> and Ruben Morgan. Um, the song has its roots in Psalm 84, which is a lament of the longing for the house of the Lord, probably written by a Levite who worked in the temple in Zion at one point in his life, and now is barred from access, probably because of the ravages of center cherub on Judah at that time. The psalm informs us of joyful anticipation of a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to take part in religious festivals. Praise for God, prayers for the king of the Jews. The author yearns for access to the temple where God provides for a spiritual home for everyone from the lowest born to the king. As pilgrims journey to Zion, God grants them, God grants them, as pilgrims journey to Zion, God grants them strengths to continue, and they turn barren places into places of refreshment, and God provides for them no matter the hardship. There are prayers for the king in Jerusalem who protects them from the enemy and keeps safe the trails and roadways. Better is one day in your courts speaks to the blessed status of the temple priests and workers who are continuously in God's presence. The author longs for the return to the for his return to the temple to dwell with the Lord God Almighty and would gladly be a doorkeeper instead of uh, instead of dwelling where he is now. Rather be a doorkeeper at the temple in Zion than dwelling in relative comfort. Um, there's a couple songs that came out of this this uh, uh, this psalm actually. So better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Those who dwell 
Sometimes when I'm doing these prayers, I run across a, a description that fits better than me trying to paraphrase or write it myself. So this is from the hymnary, hymnary.org. Crown him with many crowns. One of the most effective and simple costume changes is to put on a hat. 
when you walk off stage and return wearing a top hat, you are suddenly a different person. A man of many hats is someone who can be a different person in different contexts or crowds. This hymn declares that we are to crown our Lord with many crowns, but it doesn't mean that Jesus is a man of many hats. Christ was not simply a prophet. He was not simply the carpenter's son, and he was not simply human nor simply divine. Rather, this call to crown him with many crowns is a simple and yet profound declaration that Christ is many things and everything. He is the Lord of all, to be crowned for many things that all add up to him being the Savior of the world. Each crown represents a different aspect of who Christ is, Lord of life, Lord of love, Lord of years, Lord of heaven, the Lamb upon the throne. Christ is King, Servant, Lamb, Shepherd, and we celebrate this all-encompassing paradoxical, paradoxical, neighbor, paradoxical nature of our Savior by crowning him the Lord of all.
God's faithfulness is what carries us along through life. His goodness and promise is a beacon that calls us all. Our faith in God is justified every day simply by the sun's rising. He created all, and he makes a place for us to live so that we can worship him. His faithfulness is further proven by the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything that the Lord has done and still does is to the benefit of all. He creates, he loves, he comforts, he saves. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for, this compassion, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is the Lord and his faithfulness.
So please read the responsive reading with me, folks. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God what God should repay them? So from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So be still and know that I am God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows all things and cannot be gainsaid. We are born into this earth by the grace of a loving God, and we spend our lives striving to be worthy of the return to him. He is our all, our everything, and no one else compares. Great is our God, and blessed are the people whom he favors. Thank you. Amen. Um, as we go to prayer today, um, we're going to, again, pray for those who are, are not doing well. And um, we really need, I believe, to keep praying for our country. Uh, our country's in a mess. Personally, I think Satan's having a field day. And um, we're going to talk about that as we talk about God's sovereignty today. Um, just even, uh, you know, the stress level of people is unbelievable uh, these days. Uh, and not only that, the anger, unbelievable. So with the rise of violence in our country, with the rise of um, animosity and um, uh, shootings that are happening all over the place, uh, it's, it's, you know, Satan sitting back saying, <laughs> Where's your God? And sometimes even believers can sit back and say that. Where's your God? But I assure you, God is still in control. So uh, would you join me in prayer, please? Father, uh, for many, I, I'm sure this week has been uh, difficult. Um, Father, it is good to see uh uh, Tommy back with us and how you've taken care of him through what he went through. We pray for good healing and no more uh, complications. We pray, Father, uh, we continue to pray for Gail Hahn and Vince uh, as they still struggle with health issues and uh, even some um, auto issues, Father. We pray that you would straighten all of that out and, and just lead them, Father. I pray for my brother, Father, who's, who's suffering greatly, and, and Father, who's deteriorating more and more each day. But he's in your hands. And so, Father, I pray that you might restore his appetite. I pray, Father, that uh, you watch over both he and Gloria. Thank you for Gloria's recovery. Thank you, uh, Father, that she's doing better and better. Uh, just a little over a year after her stroke, Thank you that her arm is healing. Thank you for the many good people who have provided food and gone over and kept them company. And so, Father, this is what a fellowship does. And we're grateful uh, for that. And so, Father, uh, for those who might be here today with unspoken requests, 
we lift those up to you also. Father, I pray for this country. It's a mess. Father, um, why should it surprise us? Our culture has marginalized you out of the picture. And so have churches, Father. Father, I'm pleading, I'm pleading that you see fit to send revival to your churches. You see fit to send send a great awakening, Father, to this country. Because this country needs you. And forgive us, forgive us for putting ourselves on the throne and ignoring you. Father, we thank you for the many answers to prayer. And Father, we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Least I forget the, co- the collection so the trustees don't yell at me. I'll ask whoever's going to help if you would come up, please. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, uh, giving is part of worship. So, Father, help us to give with uh, grateful hearts, with sacrificial hearts, and with hearts that love you. Would you bless the offering? Help us to use it for the, um, for the glory of your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ecclesiastes 6 is, is uh, a short chapter, but it's got a lot in it, and um, I want you to see some of the pearls of wisdom that Solomon gives to us today, because um, this kind of is a, is a kind, kind of a climax chapter for how you and I face life, okay? I want to suggest to you this morning that for people who are followers of Jesus Christ, that our contentment, our contentment depends upon our view and understanding of God's sovereignty and providence. Did you get that? Okay. Um, The reason why I'm emphasizing this, is there a difference between contentment and happiness? What's the difference? Yes. Okay. Basically, contentment comes from a settled relationship with God and that he knows what he's doing and that when the sky is falling, we still trust him. That's what contentment is. I want to suggest to you that uh, too often, even Christ followers get these mixed up. Listen, 
I'm not trying to be mean here, but God owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. And, so, and we, we, we think that because, you know, we're doing this or doing that, God owes us something. No, he owes us nothing. But he gives us our great salvation in Christ for free, for believing in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, this is, this is hard to get through uh, simply because um, I really think in this day and age, otherwise churches would be a much different situation. We have a very low view of God's sovereignty. We really do. You have churches that go to an extreme that says if you have enough faith, you'll never be poor, you'll never get depressed, you never will um, have uh, uh, sickness and this and that. Well, that's just plain bad theology. That's making God Santa Claus. Do you ever ask yourself why good things happen to bad people? Let me give you a clue. It's none of our business. It's, it isn't. It's none of our business. And by the way, you're not too much better than the person you're thinking of, neither am I. But, you know, bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people because God is sovereign. And if we think we can get the answers to every question, we're deluding ourselves. We don't have the mind of God, nor do we see the beginning and end. Would you, would you all agree with that? Okay. So as, as we look at this, I, I really believe that we have to look at this passage uh, from the, the point where Solomon compares doing life without God. He's tried it. It doesn't work. And this is the, the position our culture is in in this country. They want to do life without God. And that doesn't work either. So, as we start the chapter, he says, I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. Under the sun means doing life without God. And here's where God's sovereignty comes in, okay? God gives some people wealth and possessions and honor, so they lack nothing their heart desires, but God does not grant them the ability to what? Enjoy them. And strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. And this is, this is where we, we get faced with the fact that God is God. The word that is used here is Elohim. You may men, uh, remember that from Genesis 1. Elohim means supreme, the ruler, the creator. Now, let me ask you a question, okay? The engineers who designed your motors in your cars are probably the best ones who know how to repair them, correct? Okay. The creator who made us 
knows how to repair us. And the way he chose to repair us is through Jesus Christ and his person and work on the cross. Here's what happened, I think, when we ignore God's sovereignty. And when we're, we're, we let the circumstances of life overwhelm us. Now, don't misunderstand me, okay? You can go through something very tragic. You can go through something very hard. And you're allowed to feel what you feel. And the last thing that I would want you to do is put on a plastic face. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm okay. No, you're not okay. All right? Uh, you're going to go through a time of grief, a time of grieving, or uh, uh, some deep waters. But through it all, we can still have contentment. We may not be happy with the situation, but we can be content that God's got our backs. No matter how it turns out. Why do you think that's so hard for us to accept? What, what do you think? Yeah. We have to give up control. We have to give up control and, and we have to give up our pride. Right? We have to give up our pride. This very closely monitors Job uh, or, or parallels Job, I should say. Dr. Fuji's doing Job at his church. And, uh, you know, the key with Job was Job lost everything literally in a day. Everything. He lost his kids. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost all his possessions. And at the end of the day, the scripture says he worshiped God. He didn't understand why. He didn't need to understand why. All he knew is that God is sovereign. And God is going to see him through this. So he remains faithful to God. Yet, he grieved. And he never cursed God. He never accused God of wrongdoing. But, you know, through the book he says, Lord, you and I one day are going to have a discussion. And the Lord says, okay. And in the end of the book, God gives him the opportunity. And how does God answer? Where were you, Job, when I created? Where were you, Job? You see, God is God. Job didn't have to know why. There's too many times in the American church where things go bad and people don't come to church. Quite honestly, Sunday has lost its significance, even for Christ followers. And that's, that's sad. That's sad, you know, in, uh, in the church. Listen, money without God doesn't lead to contentment. It's not a sin to have money. If God's blessed you that way, that's fine. But when it becomes the love of money, now that's sinful. Money can't buy you happiness. You know, I love Tevia and uh, Fiddler on the Roof. I don't know if you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof. You know, he has this ongoing conversation with God, right? And he says, well, God, a little couldn't hurt, could it? 
right? Now listen, we have to understand, as Job said, we came into this world naked. We're gonna go out of the world naked. You can't take the U-Hole to the grave, right? Money without God doesn't lead to contentment. I know some miserable wealthy people, do you? And I know some miserable people who are poor. But as we mature in Christ, we need to get to the point where no matter how life goes, we can be content with a lot that God gives us or a little. That is so crucial. We have to redefine what success means in our culture. We have to redefine what it means to love God in our culture. Presently in our culture, if you mention the name of God, and especially if you mention the name of Jesus Christ, people think you're nuts. You believe in a fairy tale. After all, where's your God, you know, when, when these things happen? And my only answer is, Jesus is coming back soon. Then you'll know where God is. Because at that point, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. King of kings, Lord of lords. Now as a king, doesn't he deserve to rule sovereignly as he pleases? Isn't that true? He deserves to rule as he pleases. And we don't know why he does things a lot. At least I don't, maybe you're brighter than me. But that's in his province, that's in his, his, his will, and I don't quite understand it all sometimes. And I don't need to. Here's the bottom line on this. All of us who, are, who have been parents, I think, have gone through this, or if you have a, a niece or a nephew and they have a birthday party or Christmas time, you know, you, you get them this gift that you think they're going to like, and they rip open the paper and open the box, they look at the gift, they put the gift down, and they play with the box. Right? We do that with God. Sometimes we want God just for the gifts and the blessings, but we ignore the gift of him. How tragic that is. Let's go on. Solomon says a man may have a hundred children. Can you imagine that? And live many years. Yet, no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive a proper burial, I say, this is a strong statement, that a stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meeting, it departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though they never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than man does. Let me unpack that for you, okay? Relationships without God will always end in disillusionment and discontentment. That's why when I do counseling for marriage, I want to make sure both know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because it really takes three people to make a marriage work. 
Jesus Christ, wife, and husband. And it takes the wisdom of God and the love of Jesus for us to be good parents. Anybody could be a biological mom or a biological father. It's quite different to be a mommy and a daddy. Relationships without God leads us to discontentment. You know, the, the bottom line is we, we don't know how much time we have on this earth. Would you agree? Godly, healthy relationships matter. God created us to be relational human beings. He created us like that. Why? Because the Trinity is relational. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. Uh, the Son loves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves the Son and, and, and the Father. It's, it's a family of love and relation. And he created us, what? In his image. So we are relational human beings. There are some people who like to be alone. But you can't be alone forever. There are some people who don't think they need other relationships. Well, that's a shame because relationships without God leads to discontentment. I quoted the line here from Gloria Gaither, because he lives. Life is worth the living because he lives, right? It's worth the living because he lives. Through faith in Jesus Christ gave us forgiveness, new life, and a new purpose. And it doesn't stop there. With that, we're supposed to belong to a body of believers, a church, to build relationships, to encourage one another, to edify one another, to disciple one another. I got news for you. A Sunday mornings just don't do it alone. Sundays are important. Don't misunderstand me. But you need to be studying. You need to be in a discipleship group. You need to be in a Bible study that, that is helping you grow and mature. When we live life yielded to God, his word, and the Holy Spirit, love, life becomes exciting, but it's not easy. It's really not easy. God never promised us an easy life. Never. You know, in contemplating saying that, I wonder how many people would just throw up their hands and say, well, what I, why do I need this then? Why don't I just go out and do what I'm, I, I want to do? Well, the reason is sim simple. You do that, you're going to be miserable. Because life without God doesn't work. It just doesn't work. We can only face life's challenges with a dynamic relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Here we go. This is for you workaholics. Okay. Okay, let me go to verse 7. Everyone's toil is for their mouth, yet their appetites are, uh, is never satisfied. 
What advantage do the wise have over fools? What do the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves uh, before others? One more verse here. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless and a chastening. Uh, and, and chasing after the wind. I want to read to you what Eugene Peterson wrote for that, and I think it'll clear it up, all right? Here's, here's how he, uh, he approached this. Well, let me just get it. He says, we work to feed our uh, appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go hungry. God, I'm too busy for you. I'm busy working. God, I can't take an hour on Sunday and come to Sunday school or church, Lord. I'm working. God, I can't go to a prayer meeting or Bible study, Lord. I'm working. Now, listen, I'm not telling you to quit your jobs. What I am telling you is to make God a priority. Because without God, our souls go hungry. You know what the worst part is? Our souls go hungry and, and we become spiritually emaciated. You know what that means? That means we wither away spiritually. And many times we don't even realize it. This is a, a, a tough portion of scripture, isn't it? You see, labor without God doesn't lead to contentment. You work 80 hours a week. Without God, you're going to be miserable. And by the way, I, I'm not a big fan of working seven days a week. I'm going to be very honest with you. Why? Because it violates God's model. You work six days, and on the seventh day, God rested from his work. Did God get tired? No. No, he provided a model for us that on the seventh day we need to rest, come to worship him together, and then rest the rest of the day. That doesn't mean you go home, plop yourself on the couch and watch football. That doesn't mean you go home and you clean the house from top to bottom. That doesn't mean you go to shop right. What it means is you, you, you go and worship, you spend time with family, you spend time with friends, or you spend time doing some recreation. Nothing wrong with that. But there's got to be something different about the Sabbath. Put your phones away. Turn off the computers. Go down by the bay. And just be with God. Be with your loved ones. I don't care. Life's too short. Life's too short. Labor without God doesn't lead to contentment. Work then becomes drudgery. I don't care if it's your regular work or housework. It becomes drudgery. Even cleaning the church. You know, we have a volunteer staff that cleans the church. Listen, I don't mind cleaning toilet bowls. I really don't. I mean that sincerely. Because I'm doing it for the glory of God. 
So it's not drudgery for me. Sometimes my back thinks it's drudgery, but it's not drudgery for me. Okay? We become disillusioned with work. Work without God becomes tedious because we're feeding our appetites while our souls go hungry. Without God, we, uh, with God, we can focus on the blessings which God gives us with a thankful heart. So let me ask you a question. Did your showers work this morning? Right? What about your air conditioning? Your windows? Is your roof leaking? You have clothes on your back? You have some food to eat? You're blessed. Plus, you don't wake up dead. <laughs> right? And the last portion. Let me read the rest to you here. Whatever exists has already been named. By who? Elohim. The Supreme One. Whatever exists has already been named. Boy, we, need, we, we should plaster that all over the place, especially in this culture, because God made male and female. Nothing in between, nothing else. Right? What has been named has been already named. And do you know when God made the creation, mankind was at the pinnacle of the creation, and uh, he created Adam as male, and he created Eve as female. And on that last day of creation, he sat back and said, it is very good. Not just good, very good. And what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. Do you think, you think he can fight with God? Do you? I tried. I did. Several times in my life, I tried to fight with God, and he won. One of those times was when he was calling us to seminary. I said, no, no, God, no, you don't know what you're doing here, you know? And I fought him, and I fought him. Before I knew it, he opened every door. And he said, now what are you going to do? I said, okay, Lord, I'm going. He won. But we tend to fight him sometimes, don't we? Look at the next verse. The more words, the less meaning. Can you comprehend that? I see this all the time. You know, uh, especially if you look at when I was a special police officer, I used to have to go to court on some cases. Butch probably knows this too. And uh, I, I would see people up on the witness stand, and they would get a, uh, asked a question by uh, you know, the prosecutor uh, or the defense attorney, and they would answer it, but then they keep going. And you almost feel like saying, shut up. <laughs> because the more words, the more they're gonna pick you apart. Just shut up. Sometimes less is more. The more words, less the meeting. How does, how does that profit anyone? And then the last verse. 
For who knows what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow? Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? Listen, life just doesn't make sense many times. And we're not going to have all the answers. Someone asked me this past week, why is this happening to me? And I said, I don't know. I really don't. I'm not God. I really don't. And it's a situation where I really don't know. I just don't know why. And there are, there are other times where people will say, yeah, why is this happening to me? They discovered they have cirrhosis of the liver. Well, that's kind of easy to figure out, right? I mean, you've been abusing alcohol for a lot of years, obviously, and you have uh, cirrhosis of the liver. Um, but there are life gets complicated, and we're not going to be privy to a lot of the, the answers to the questions that we raise in, in tough situations. But this is where the sovereignty of God comes in. We don't have to know the answers. And let me say this, we're not entitled to the answers. We're not. But we are obligated by the cross of Jesus Christ to continue to be obedient to him even when Chicken Little is running around saying the sky is falling. Lord, give us the heart of Job. When after that day where he lost everything but his life and his wife, that's another story. But he lost everything. At the end of the day, he worshiped God. What about us? Listen. You want to understand Ecclesiastes? It's, it's very easy. I've been trying to, to simplify it for you. Uh, and it, it's just this. Doing life with God through faith in Christ is infinitely better than facing life without God. In anything we do infinitely better I remember uh, being at a viewing for uh, a woman who know, I knew very well and I was young I was I think I was in my first year of seminary back then uh, that's when I had hair and it was black and I had a full beard by the way and um, I remember sitting in the funeral home and with Mary Lou and a relative came in and went to the widow and said why did this happen? And through her tears, she simply looked and said it was the province of God. In other words, she didn't need to know why. But she knew it was God. And God was there. Gabish? This is a, a message. I'm sorry, really, there aren't more people here today. But this is a message that we all have to hear because, you know, we really want God to be our chauffeur, our Santa Claus, our, um, our spare tire, our this, our that. 
But God is Elohim. He's supreme. He's king. He's creator. He's ruler. And he has the right to do with us as he pleases. And we don't need to know why. I'm going to ask Kristen to come up, please. I, uh, oh, yeah, okay, Chip, you can stay. I'll tell you what, I'll go home too. Okay. Um, as we come up, I chose this song uh, purposely, uh, and, and we're going to wake you up with this song, okay? But it's called Better Than Life. If you think I'm strange, I've been called worse. But walking with God is better than life.
than life is better than life is better than life is better than life let's pray Father, thank you. Thank you for all who came out today. I pray your blessing on each one. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ and our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the practicality of your word. And Father, for all of us, I hope and, and pray that through your spirit and your word, you would help us to be content, even through tough times. And so, Father, help us to give you the glory. And, Father, as we uh, adjourn now for our business meeting, uh, may we glorify you in what we do. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said? Amen. 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 You may be seated. <laughs>